0: We're now going to worship up, uh, bring up somebody who doesn't need any introduction, very famous and very well known in our church, Hillary. Can we give her a round of applause, please? <laughs> Welcome, Hillary. If I may, I'm going to pray just before you, before you bring your word. Father God, I just pray for Hillary. I pray that you'll give her words. You'll speak through her this morning, Lord. And her words will resonate with people in the, in the, in the congregation this morning. And we'll leave the changed people through Hillary's word. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm awful glad I came. Thank you. I don't know if you noticed the little girl coming coming down just when we sang that last song. I love it when the little ones come down. They stand in such fascination at the worship leaders. And who's not to know that in 20 years she might be up here playing the keyboard or banging on the drums or something. I just think it's so lovely. And especially when they sort of start and you know, get the rhythm, it is just so, so very sweet, isn't it? Well, I like to think that personally I'm flexible. Um, and uh, not physically, but you know, <laughs> I'm getting less and less flexible as the years go on. Uh, I was worried about coming up those stairs this morning. <laughs> um, but I like to, th- to think that I'm flexible in other things. And earlier on in the summer, I was doing um, a study on hope just for myself. And then um, Becky contacted me and said, Jay said, will you preach in August? So I said, oh, yes. And thought, oh, I'm doing this study on hope. I'll do that. I'll speak on hope. And then so I got it all ready, put it in the drawer. And then two weeks ago, Sheila preached on Gideon and All that went out the window. There was something that Sheila said that impacted me and I thought I've got to pursue that. So I'll probably be bringing a sermon on hope in September, God willing, (laughs) unless somebody else says something dead profound uh, that I have to follow up on. So I've spent just the last two weeks considering this phrase that Sheila spoke it was when you remember she was speaking about gideon and gideon's conversation with the lord when when the lord visited him and uh, as you know gideon was unsure and looked for verification and confirmation and all this sort of thing but it's not gideon really particularly that i want to look at it's the lord if you remember, I'm only looking at two verses in Judges chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. Gideon has had a slight conversation with the Lord, and then he says, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you and the Lord said I will wait until you return I must have read that hundreds of times over the years but it has impacted me so much the last couple of weeks I've, I've been shocked uh, as I have considered it let's just have a little look at the actual verse. I. Who's the I? Well, it's the Lord, isn't it? This is one of those verses that to me proves that God is male. Uh, Jesus calls him his father and calls him our father and fatherhood is male. If he'd manifested as a woman and Gideon said, stay there till I go and get an offering. If he'd been a woman, he would have said, no, it's all right, I'll come with you. We can chat while you're busy. But he said, I will remain until you return. So the I is the Lord. And he said, I will God has chosen to be there. I will. He is exercising his will to do what Gideon has asked of him. I will wait. This is God saying to Gideon, I will wait. He's going to stay there. He will wait upon Gideon. I will wait until... There's no time limit. The choice is up to Gideon when he comes back with his offering. God didn't say to him, well, okay, you've got an hour. I've got a meeting at Acorn in two hours, and I've got to be there. He said, I will wait until you. Putting the ball firmly in Gideon's court. It was his choice. When he came back, I will wait until you return. Come back to where he'd left the Lord. It's a promise. I will wait until you return. Usually, when we talk about waiting, we talk about man waiting on God. We're waiting for answered prayer. We're waiting for God to do something. Why doesn't he do something? And we know that in this conversation, Gideon complained that God hadn't done what he wanted him to do. But so often we get frustrated at the time lapse that there is between, you know, when we pray and when something happens. We forget that sometimes God acts supernaturally in the natural, and answered prayer often takes the natural time. I've been shocked by myself this past fortnight, while I've been thinking about this, by realizing that God waits for man. If you had an invitation from King Charles you would make darn sure you were there on time. Yet often we get an invitation from the King of Kings and we make him wait. We don't realize it, perhaps, but we make him wait. But often we think about God waiting in terms of the prodigals. You know, that lovely parable about the the young man going off with his inheritance and the father staying at home Waiting for him to return. Often, you know, when young people or older people run away from home, the family that's left, then they're trapped in that home. They don't dare move because, should the person come back, they've got to be there waiting for them. And so it is with the prodigals. The Lord remains waiting for them to come back he stays put whatever it is that made makes the prodigals go away from God whether it's teaching they can't accept whether it's some upset whatever it is God remains the same they run away from him but he remains the same When they run away, they think they're doing a great thing. Go and live their own lives just as they want to. But often they recognize that there is something missing. And God waits. And in the waiting, he does not change. His word is still the same. His desires are still the same. His responses are still the same. So that when a prodigal returns, he has to come back on God's terms, not his. Because God is unchanging. His word is still the same. If a prodigal has taken the pip about the teaching on whatever, it's still there. It's still the same. Just like the, the, the lad in, in the parable. He came back and he was willing to accept Whatever status his father would give him, he expected a lowly status. And sometimes people who have run away from God are the same. They return to God, the unchanging, everlasting father, recognizing in their embrace from God that their sins are forgiven. But really, there's something deeper than that. It's not just their sins that are forgiven. It's the person that's forgiven also. Sometimes we can forget that for ourselves if we've done something and we ask God for forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness of the sin, but we still feel a shadow of that over ourselves and what we have to realize is God has forgiven us has forgiven me for whatever it is he's not just wiped the slate clean he's wiped me clean as well he's the unchanging one we may get frustrated you know at the prodigals I'm sure many of you have got people in your family that you Praying for and hoping for that they'll return to the Lord, and it's so easy to get frustrated and annoyed. but God doesn't. He waits and he can wait them out. He's unchanging. Does' it mean he's not working? Doesn't mean he's not giving a little tweak or bringing somebody into their their orbit? waits because it's got to be their choice when they return there's no time limit he will wait until they return excuse me but what about us those of us who aren't prodigals or have been and have come back or whatever we would dare we wouldn't dream of doing such a thing as keeping God waiting, so I thought <laughs> until two weeks ago. I often find that God chastens me. God has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives, and I began to realize that sometimes when we when he uh, when perhaps even when we're aware of the plan and purpose, we can think of something better that we've got to do before we do it. Like Gideon, God had already said to him, mighty warrior, you know, I want you to do this and this. But he still thought it was a better idea to go and offer a sacrifice, prepare a sacrifice. And even after he got that confirmation that the Lord was who he said he was, he then, as we know, still doubted and wanted confirmation. All seems like a good idea at the time. We see it in Jonah when he was asked to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to go. So we thought it was a good idea to hop on a ship and go in the opposite direction. But we know what happened there. In the end, he had to fall in with God's plans and purposes. So very often... God might actually be asking, him, asking us to do this. And we're yeah, that might be a good idea. But to get to there, I've got to do this first. Or I'll go over there and I'll do that. And God waits. I'm not saying we are being intentionally disobedient. Sometimes we see a need that needs to be taken care of. But it doesn't really necessarily mean that we have to do it. We must fall in line with God's plans and purposes. He will wait. God will wait until we return to his plan. You know, in Ephesians it says... For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. A a good part of my life, I have felt second choice in things, because often I've ended up perhaps leading something or doing something that I, I didn't volunteer for. I volunteered to be on the team And then people would drop out and after a little while I would find myself it. You know, this is where the book stops. It made me feel second choice. And I remember when I was a very new Christian, I was asked to do Sunday school at the church we were at at the time. Well... (laughs) I swelled to about six feet tall. My head expanded. How marvelous that they could see how holy I was to ask me to teach Sunday school. And then they said, we've asked everybody else. (laughs) So I definitely felt second choice. Was God's way of teaching me the Bible. I enjoyed it. I did it for several years. I don't want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but it made me feel like second choice. And as I say, various other things over the years, I've not set out to be the, the person at the heading up something, but I, I've I've done it, and always thought I was second choice. But then a friend pointed me to that scripture in Ephesians. That God had prepared things for me to do. I might have been the person's second, third or tenth choice. Because nobody else would do it. But I was God's first choice. So if he's asking you to do something, you are his first choice. It doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter how many other people I might have asked. They've just asked the wrong people. They've asked 10 other people before you, like those people with the Sunday school. If they come to me first, would I have done it? I don't know. Probably, well, yes, I would have done because it was something God wanted me to do. Falling in line with God's plan. But when we prevaricate, we are making God wait i had never never thought of that before making the king of kings wait it's as good as saying what you want me to do isn't quite as important as what I want to do but it's marrying up the two isn't it realizing I, I realized I've done this and I hadn't realized what I was doing making God wait There's another way I've discovered I make God wait. That's in my prayer life. My mind wanders. Now, we've got family coming to visit in October from America and from Germany. And it's the first time we will have all been together for 10 years. So... My prayer times consist of, you know, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for blah blah blah. I wonder if we should visit Wellington Hall while they were here. uh, Well, I could prepare that and put it in the freezer, and you know, before long, I'm I'm away with the mixer, doing, thinking, making God wait until I return to the place where he is, he hasn't moved and he hasn't changed. I've wandered off, I've gone down an alleyway. He is so amazingly patient, so gracious and understanding that when I return, he welcomes me with open arms. It is just amazing. Gideon was very polite. He said, please wait there until I go and prepare an offering and come back with it. And God said, I will wait until you return. But the prodigals and us, we're not that polite. People who fall away from the Lord, they just take the pip and off they go for whatever reason. I in thinking well yes I'll do that but I want to go this do this first I don't say Lord do you mind if I go and do this first well actually I, I did on one occasion the last time the family were here 10 years ago we still had the car then and they were all doing their own thing and David and I went to no, sorry, that was something else. Sorry. It was the last time the family was here, ten years ago, they were all together, they were all doing their own thing, and I thought I'm gonna have a quiet time. And then I sat down and I said, Lord, do you mind if I read my library book instead? <laughs> he didn't seem to mind. And he didn't tell me the butler did it. So But it's so easy just to put God off. Gideon said I, will you stay there till I've done this but we don't do that we just go and do it or like I say in my prayer time my mind just wanders off I don't say Lord I'm just going to think about this for a while then, I, then I'll come back perhaps you do and, uh, and and God would acknowledge that and forgive it but I just wander off That's when it's good to have a verse of scripture, an anchor verse, or it could even just be saying Jesus. My verse that brings me back to the still point is my Lord and my God. But even then, I can just trot it off like that and go, my Lord, my God, or my Lord, my God. when I say it with meaning my Lord and my God brings me back to the still point, brings me back to where God is waiting until I return what a glorious thing to know that God is waiting for us, I don't know if you have ever considered it before I certainly hadn't not in these terms and it I've gotta say it's blown my mind, and I now find when I go off in my prayer time, which I'm still doing, I say, Lord, I'm sorry I've I've kept you waiting. And yet you're still you're still there. We were on the seafront the other day and we thought we'd treat ourselves to a Venetian ice cream. There was two people in a queue. There was nobody at the kiosk window, and it said, please knock if there's nobody here. So the lady was hanging on the window and we waited, we waited, we waited. And then somebody came to the window, and went, one minute. So away she went. Uh, so I'm not very good at queuing. So eventually I said to David, if they haven't got, if, if they can't be there when we, we are waiting, I don't want one of their ice creams. So I cut my nose off to spite my face and away we went because I didn't want to wait She, that lady should have been there when I was there wanted an ice cream I'm so gracious aren't I (laughs) really wasn't her fault they probably weren't staffing it well enough I didn't have the patience to wait I was annoyed because I thought they should be there to serve me when I wanted it which God has every right to consider of us, that we should be there to serve him when he wants it. But in his graciousness, he waits. I will wait until you return. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your graciousness. Thank you that you are God, that your thoughts are not our thoughts, and your ways certainly aren't our ways. Father, I thank you that you have patience with me. And I pray, Lord, you will make us all aware of how we make you wait in the coming days. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.